This is a Fubar Radio podcast. If you need any more information, head to fubarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. Put your headphones on now. Put your headphones on. I know. I forgot to have your headphones. Oh, God. You know, slick as fuck. Uh, Slick as a weasel. Slicker than a weasel. Um, My name is Nick Helm. My name is Nathaniel Metcalf. And this is Nick and... Nat's Fan Club. Fan Club. Fan Club. First rule of Fan Club is uh, tell your friends about Fan Club. club. Not to watch it, sorry. Don't tell your friends to watch Fan Club. This is a fucking disaster. Um, oh, that's a, we're mm. in the studio live. Live. Uh, Nat, it's how's Edinburgh going? It's going great. It's great that you managed to commute all the way down I know, it was a silly from the windy idea. city. And the problem is I've only got ten minutes before my show starts by the end of this. Uh, yeah, and so, so you've got to rattle off, haven't you? Oh, it's well, 15 minutes really, isn't it? Yeah, about 15 minutes. I've got Quarter to past get. one, right? By the time I get out of the building, it's 10, isn't it? And then... Yeah. Yeah, sure. By the, by the time you finished uh, uh, signing all the all the breasts, <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of uh, yes. Anyway, so <laughs> by the time by the time you've signed all the autographs, then uh, the yeah, uh, you've got a good fourteen minutes to get to the <laughs> to get to the venue. Uh, One fifteen every day yes, at the, on the Royal Mile. <laughs> on the Royal Mile. Where no. is it? So the Counting House. Bloody hell. You better get a waggle on. <laughs> Very brave of you to do this show in London live uh, every, every Friday when you've got to go all the way up to like the counting house in Edinburgh. In Edinburgh yeah. How is your show going? It's going amazingly, Nick. Yeah? I think I've got um, big audiences and everyone loves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love how fucking optimistic you are. That's right. So... <laughs> got, all the, got all the awards. Good. All of the awards. Yeah, got them all. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm looking forward to next year. <laughs> I'm definitely doing a show next year. Uh, I'm not ever taking another year off Edinburgh. It's been an error. Oh, I just feel uh, everything unravelling slowly. <laughs> and, uh, and I realise It's a focus, I suppose, isn't it? It is. It really, really focuses your year. I think that for a comedian, uh, because you've got so much uh, free time in your life, um, <laughs> it really does give you... So, I always think about it like it's like a school year. So where, do I. Where in September, you start from scratch and yeah. you start writing and then you kind of like, or you tour, you know, you know, you kind of like uh, flog that dead horse for a bit, a bit longer. But basically, you, you, you start over again, uh, you start writing new material, you start gigging again, you have a little b- bit of a break maybe at the beginning of September. But then by the time you get into kind of like Christmas, you're gigging again. And then the new year is where you start thinking about, right, we're going to uh, do Edinburgh exams. And then you revise, write your show do previews and then by the time you get to Edinburgh it's summer and uh, you're 50 and you've wasted your life <laughs> uh, you just repeat that but um, I think of it as well in terms of school years as uh, different comedians so there's some that I go oh they're in my year yeah and there's some that are like uh, bigger boys and girls yeah absolutely. and there are some that the are new like kids. new kids yeah the year new sevens kids. that have just started yeah exactly it's like Grange Hill and there's some that uh, have left the school and uh, gone around the world and have come back as teachers mm. so uh, some, of, some of the younger kids are also they're overachieving and they're, they're, they're doing their exams and you're still doing you're still doing your mocks yeah <laughs> <sighs> Still, happiest days of your life. Um, there can be, there can be. Oh well, I'm glad Edinburgh's going well. Um, <laughs> oh, I do love doing this show. It's just round the corner from where I live. I don't see it as, don't see it as in any way a step down. It's absolutely exactly ticking all my boxes. That's for sure. So, what have you been up to lately, Nat? I saw, a, I saw a film, Nick. I saw. The Incredibles 2. The Incredibles 2? Yeah. Um, and? It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I love the first Incredibles, though. I reckon the first Incredibles is one of my favourite films of the 21st century. The original Incredibles? Yeah, absolutely love it. That's absolutely a real odd one. No, I think that is an odd one because, uh, it, it, I mean, it didn't do anything for me. I would say it's one of those anomalies, a bit like Pirates of the Caribbean, where on paper it seems to tick all my boxes, and then when I see it, it just does absolutely nothing for me. I think it's like the, about the best superhero film 
Certainly in the this Incredibles. Century. Love it. Absolutely love it. I think it's got a proper sort of sense of wonder about it. And I think there's bits of it, like... I remember seeing it and having that real, like, joy in my... Joy in my heart. There's a bit where the little, the little boy Dash starts running and he's mm. able to go faster and faster and you get this kind of realise it's that as well it's that thing where it's one of the first time where people's powers are realised on screen in a really proper way like they're ha- like like they're supposed to look like because it's, anim- it's, it's animated but it's not just animated like uh, the Mask of the Phantasm no it's, right. it's, it's got you know it's, it's you know where it's kind of like uh, 90s studio animation yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's like proper top of the line CGI yeah well it's not CGI is it uh, CGI is when you, you when you use it for yeah, live action computer, films. It's animated, computer, computer animation. animation. Um, yeah, and I suppose that the only thing that you know is limiting you is your imagination. <laughs> well said. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I guess and you're right. And it's got right. a real sort of fifties, sixties aesthetic, well, which love, really appeals to me. I love the art deco mm-hmm. to it, you know, and I love the I love the design to it. Yeah. Brad Bird's really good. I mean, the exactly, Iron Giant yeah, yeah. is a bit like that. Exactly, as well. very and much. Brad Bird's really good like that, but. Um, did you see Tomorrowland? I did, and I wanted to like it more than I liked it. Right. I was I, really up for it, but I was a bit like... I was, w- while I was watching it, I was going... I just found myself going, hmm, so, yeah. So what did he do? Mm. He did... Um, he did... Mission uh, Impossible. Well, no, he did The Iron Giant. Yeah. Then he did The Incredibles. Yeah. Then he got drafted into Save Ratatouille. Yes, he did. And then he did uh, Mission Impossible 4. 4, yeah. And then he did uh, The Incredibles 2. Yeah. I think that's it. And oh, Tomorrowland in between. And Tomorrowland, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, he's. I feel what like he, I what's really he really like famous him. for? The, the, the little toaster. Was that Brad no, Bird? No, no, was that Brad Bird? Can you look up Brad Bird's IMDb for us, Natalie? Um, but yeah, like Iron Giant Thank was the you. first one. But it's, it's like the Iron Giant is a brilliant film. It is, yeah, it's got an amazing voice cast. Vin yeah. Diesel's never been better. No. Uh, and Jennifer Aniston. I mean, I'm just listing stuff off the top of my head. It's not really <laughs> a debate, is it? It's, 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 a, it's a really good film. Uh, he worked on The Simpsons. Oh, OK. Well, that sort of makes sense. You've got to be that. faster than this. Cut and paste. Cut and paste. Um, <laughs> so, uh, copy and paste. You're not cutting and paste. You're not cutting and pasting off the internet. From, oh, that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? If you just terrible. got holes in. Holes in the internet. Battery's not included. Did he really? Battery's not... I saw Did that. he write it? What did he do? No information other than battery's not included. That's a long time in between. He directed it. Did he? He didn't direct it. I don't... That's years before, He that? did not direct Batteries Not he Included. He did the screenplay for Batteries Not Included. Oh. What's happened here? <laughs> i tell you what. This is, I mean, what's happened here is that uh, when we're live, uh, we panic a lot. But when we occasionally aren't live we not don't today. panic we're at all today, but we are live today sometimes we're not but what live. happens is we do absolutely zero prep until 30 seconds before <laughs> air and then we panic as soon as we press the button what i like about batteries not included <coughs> is the title starts with an asterisk doesn't it it does it does so it's not on this screen not on this screen uh, but uh, uh batteries not included i saw that at the cinema Me too. so did i yeah. but i think my mum t- picked us up after school we went to parkwood primary school by finchby park and she picked us up from there and then we went to the hammersmith odeon which uh, no Hammersmith Odeon it wasn't Hammersmith Odeon it Apollo? was Holloway Odeon Holloway Odeon oh yeah yeah and I think we went in 20 minutes late and in the lobby there was a huge uh, cardboard cutout for stakeout oh yeah yeah with Mia Estefes and Richard Dreyfus under a bed looking up at Madeline Stowe's legs uh, and I remember that from being what sperm <laughs> I was five I was five <laughs> five or six and um yeah, I remember all that. A battery's not included. Wow, my love for Brad Bird. I didn't actually like Battery's Not Included. At the time, even I thought, this is bollocks. I, it's been such a long time, I wouldn't like to have an opinion on it. It was just really sort of sentimental, and I, and I did find that. Did you, did you hear that, uh, that fact about Wilfred Brimley from uh, Cocoon? Yes, yeah, yeah. That, that Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible uh, Fallout is five years older than Wilfred Brimley but I know, was I knew he's, in Cocoon. I know he's younger than he looks, because I think he's not that old in, in like, The Thing as well, either, is he? He's, he's, I think he is, like, he's in his 50s. No, so but he's, he's always like, looked old. He's yes, always yeah. looked like an old man. He looks exactly the same as he does in The Thing as he does in Hard Target, yeah. which was made 13 years later. Yes, yeah. Right? And so you, you kind of go, right, Wilfred Brimley, he's always been an old man. Yeah. Tom Cruise has always been a young man. <laughs> 
and and still uh, is and still and, and, and <laughs> but, uh, seemingly still is that's what I, that's what I wrote <laughs> that's what I wrote on Twitter I was like saying yeah back in the day you know when you had your OAPs uh, back in the day when you had your OAPs they had to play old and decrepit people like they did in Cocoon yes. but now we like to see our OAPs hanging off the side <laughs> of helicopters <laughs> we love it we love it um also, Wilfred Brimley's 83, he is now. Whenever I see uh, And Wilfred he is five Brimley. years younger than Tom Cruise, who's 88. If I I've, immediately think if of, I've understood the internet correctly. I immediately fear, think of uh, Wilfred Br- uh, Brimley from, uh, what's he called? Wilfred Bramble from Septo and Son. Of course. Well, Tom Cruise is five years older than him, him now. now. Wow. Now. So he's, he's, he's lapped him. Brimley has supported advertisements these aren't to have all Utah allow water rights gambling. These aren't all useful facts that you're typing up for us here. Uh, <laughs> Brad, so, Incredibles 2, um, Brad Bird, you love it. Oh, Nat, I- stop looking at the screen. I need you in the room. <laughs> it keeps changing. I haven't seen the film. Stop it, Natalie. <laughs> Bloody hell, it's like herding gnats. Yes. He's back. Back in the room. I can't believe I'm not doing Edinburgh. <laughs> Could have opened with that. I could have opened with that. Put that in the middle and closed. Just a bit <laughs> on of On the filler. first night. On the first night. It closed on the first night. Aye. I've been yes. nothing but supportive. No, you have. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, so I, The Incredibles 2 is totally... Just news just in. Brimley enjoys playing poker. Fucking <laughs> 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 hell, probably, Natalie. I reckon that's probably why he tried to overturn horse racing laws in Utah. <laughs> That's my guess. This is absolute. We've we've burned eleven minutes of everyone's lives. He's, that's he's also a Mormon. Uh, if you are listening to this uh, live, as we're as we're performing this live, um, could, Brimley is a Mormon. <laughs> Brimley is a Mormon. Uh, Tom Cruise is a Scientologist. Uh, obviously, uh, Brimley would have probably been a Scientologist had it been around when he was in his early twenties, starring in films such as Cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, he, he spoke against banning the cockfighting in New Mexico. Of course he did. Classic Brimmels. Um, an accomplished harmonica player. Uh, yeah, and he also uh, gave uh, Harry H. Corbett a thing or two, didn't he? certainly he? did. Um, he's Paul McCartney's granddad, isn't he, in A Hard Day's Night? He is. Uh, a terrible cameo. It just really slows the film down every time he, he is. is. Yeah. The, he's very clean, isn't he? He's very clean. Have you noticed that, John? It's very clean. It's one of my favourite bits. Well, the bit when he's clean and then uh, John Lennon is sniffing Coke. (laughs) He's got a bottle of Coca-Cola and he's sniffing it. And you go, oh, that's very clever for the 60s, isn't it? Not not for the 60s, but it's very um, subversive. It's very knowing, isn't it? Yeah, very subversive. You think, oh, God, you... you, you, That's your old tricks, John. Bloody hell, John. You're Mm -hmm. one step ahead of everyone. So you want a revolution? Yes, please. You got that past the census, didn't you? Sniffing on the old... Coca-Cola. I tell you what, I watched the other day. Demons. Have you seen Demons? No, yeah, 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 yeah. They do a they do a similar joke where um, where the bad guys. What did you say he's a bad guy? He's not a bad guy. You, you say he's a bad guy, Nat. You, <laughs> haven't, you haven't had a word in. <laughs> you say he's a bad guy, but he's not really. He's just driving around, and they keep all of their cocaine in a Coca-Cola can with a straw in it, and they're passing it around the car, and they keep uh, sniffing through the straw. Uh, which is basically uh, pinched uh, from a John Lennon improv from A Hard Day's Night. Uh, so that's something to That's be, fine, Glad. Uh, something, that's some, uh, it's a bit of a shame when uh, films feel the need to steal bits from others. Mm. Speaking of which, I saw Hereditary last night. Oh, I've not seen it. So uh, what would you give uh, Incredibles 2? Incredibles 2. Okay, it's like, um, I'd say like a... Like a seven. No, a seven. no. Well, one word review in three seconds. Three, two, one. Pleasing. Not as good as the original. No. They're not, though. No. Finding Dory was a, a pale imitator it's nice to, to see Finding people, Nemo. And I really like Holly Hunter and things. It's nice to see them all again. There they are. They're, all, they're all back. I love, uh, what's his name? Uh, Craig T. Nelson. Me too, yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, oh, man, he's fucking wicked. Well, I think that's him yeah, the and, casting they've got. Him and Joe Beth Williams and Poltergeist, yeah. they're like my 80s screen parents. Yes, you know, yeah. I just think they're the best, uh, they're the best screen parents uh, of the entire, well, I think I've already said it, 1980s. And uh, I love I love those two in Poltergeist. I love them too as a couple in Poltergeist more than I like Poltergeist. But I do like Poltergeist. I thought I was worried you were going to say your own parents. Uh, no, not my own parents. They're legends. Of course. No, um... I'm going to get them veneered one day. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I love... I love but, uh, but I went to see Hereditary uh, oh, yeah, last yeah. night, which I'd heard uh, everyone 
going on about. I went to the cinema twice yesterday. Uh, I went to see Vertigo. Oh, yes. Uh, at the BFI, which is my favourite. Um, well, mm, Cineworld, Leicester Square is my favourite cinema. Okay. But uh, the BFI is just, I could Good spend... Good place to see Vertigo. I could spend uh, £1,000 in the BFI shop in two minutes. So I have to like, go in, take photos of it, buy it off Amazon later. <laughs> That's what I would do. Uh, but um, but I, I love the BFI and I be, the BFI shop and everything that they show at the BFI. And I love it. I love it so much. I love it. It's a and great I, place to I be I went to see London. Vertigo yesterday in a... Pa- you know, 1958 it was mm-hmm. made. You know, there are all these films where people say, oh, I wasn't born then. Of course I've not seen it. You know, yeah. so like, well, I wasn't born in 1933 or whenever, you know... Uh, King Kong. King Kong, Bride of Frankenstein, Wizard of Oz. I wasn't born... I've seen those films. <laughs> I've seen Mary Poppins. You know, I've seen Sound of Music. You don't have to have been born within the lifespan no. of... The film doesn't have to come out within your lifespan. So I it's saw, not Quantum Leap. It's not Quantum Leap. So I saw Vertigo yesterday, which was, what, 70 years ago? 1958? God, it is now, isn't it? Time flies. No, it isn't. 60. 60? 60, yeah. 58, 68, 78, 88, 98, 2000. 2018. Oh, you're like 60 years. 60 years. You heard it here first, fan club. Join the club. The counting house every day at 1.15. 10 past past one. Nathaniel Metcalf. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'd love to talk to you about hereditary, but uh, we'll just do that on another episode. Have we got our, our guest is here? Uh, yeah, we've got yeah. to play a song first, then, haven't we? Our oh, guest yeah. is our guest is here. Uh, hereditary, basically, uh, Vertigo. Still, it's officially the best film. It's rated the best film ever made. Love it. Absolutely. It's love overtaken it. Citizen Kane for the number one spot about maybe ten years ago. Uh, and it's just it's fucking incredible phenomenal absolutely um, phenomenal uh, just visually it's such a slow film I forgot how slow it was and I remembered things in a different order I thought that the big plot twist happened about 20 minutes into the film but it doesn't it happens about an hour and 20 minutes into the film or uh, two hours into the film lots of greens in it isn't there lots, lots of, of green, green in it it's just yeah the car is green and, and uh, the, I think that there's, they do that spirally spinny thing mm. with James Stewart's face uh, mm. pulling it's like the Batman logo um, that's it's just so visually um, but talking about something that's ahead of its time it's also got sort of weird sex stuff in it. it's completely yeah. bonkers you've got lovely kind of you've got lovely lovely James Stewart who's basically playing kind of like uh, James Stewart at first and then he deteriorates into yeah. this crazy sort of sex and he's hor- he's like a horrible, horrible guy in it. but horrible. he's the hero He's the hero, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's, uh, it's such a good film. It's really complicated, and you can't really do it justice in three seconds before the thing. And then I saw Hereditary, which has been, uh, had been told to me by Brett Goldstein that it was the scariest film that he'd ever seen. Uh, and fucking hell, it was fine. <laughs> but it stole off every film that you've... Every horror film that you've ever seen, it stole from. And it's like it couldn't decide what sort of horror film my, it my, wanted to be. The... The impression, no, I haven't seen it. The impression I get from it is that it's trying to be like a legitimate horror film, so it's trying to steal from The Shining and The Exorcist. It steals from uh, Shining, Exorcist, uh, Rosemary's Baby, um, anything with a child in it, anything with uh, possession in it, a Ouija board, Poltergeist, uh, a, The Virgin Suicides. It's like a Wes Anderson film. What's the other one? Uh, fucking Amityville Horror. Right. Yeah, it's just like everything. Exorcist 3, right, which I haven't even seen, but I read up on it. And you just like go, but it steals off absolutely everything. And you just like go, well, but like, but totally ill fitting. I was like describing it yesterday to, to my friend. Was It's like you've done after it, none of the bits really connect that easily right mm-hmm. and you and, and sometimes like films like the shining where you come out and you have to analyze it and the, and the bits don't connect that easily you kind of like go oh yeah but you put it down to Stanley Kubrick being a genius but with this it's like you've got eight jigsaw puzzles all scattered over a table and you can put some pieces together over here and you can put some pieces together over here and you can put some pieces together over here but when you put them all together they don't fit together yeah and it's just kind of like it's but i think it does feel like it's if it's borrowing from all those kind of very critically acclaimed horror films that you're allowed to like 
as well it seems a bit like safe do you but know what I mean? none of those films kind of like live in the same universe as each other yeah you've got a ouija board film fine and you've got like a ghost child film and you go fine and then you've got kind of like a possession film you go fine and then you've got kind of like a murderer it's just like no, none of the stuff really fits together and um yeah i was so disappointed with it anyway um Here's a song. We've heard we, we, there's other shows. Um, so, uh, we're, we're, oh, Joey. I love Joey Page. Joey Page is a master, but um, we're not listening to the Joey Page show right now. We're listening to <laughs> uh, Nick and Matt Fanclub. Come on, mate. Fanclub. You're leaving me hanging this episode. Just get Edinburgh out of your mind. I know you've got to rush off straight after this show, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I know you've got to get on the. Uh, you've got to get yourself to. Uh, Caledonian Road, Caledonian Road. Get the Piccadilly line down to King's, King's Cross. Cross yeah. You got to wait for your train to Edinburgh. Yeah. Get on the Edinburgh train. The flying Scotsman. Get all the way up to Edinburgh. Get off uh, at uh, the Wait, Edinburgh Waverley Station. Edinburgh Waverley Station, and get your way all the way down to the county now. Exactly. And do your show at ten past one every yeah. day. Um, <laughs> it's great that you're commuting in, though. It's, it is. it's so expensive, isn't it, renting renting a place out in Edinburgh? <laughs> it sure is. Um, so we're joining the studio I now. I might as well stay here. We're joined in the studio now, Nat, by. <laughs> <laughs> by uh, my friend and yours, uh, Mr. Richard Sandling. Hello. Hello. How are you doing, Richard? Very well, thank you. Um, it's good to have you in the studio. It's good to be here. I think Nats would agree that we probably both uh, we owe uh, our entire careers to you. We wow. do. I'm so sorry. I know. Uh, um, yeah, well, I think I mean, I need to have a word about mine. <laughs> No, so uh, you used to run uh, Perfect Movie down in uh, Piccadilly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Perfect Movie was a show where uh, basically a whole generation of comedians, wasn't it? There was uh, me, you, uh, James Acaster, Josh Widdicombe, others. There were others. Paul F. Taylor, soon to be a guest on... well, we don't know what order they're going to... Well, yeah, it's all live. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> uh, but what would happen was it, was it once a month... It started out once a fortnight. It started out, yeah, well, it, was, it started off... Yeah, it was, I think it was monthly to start with because I didn't know if it would work or not. Yeah. Was, this is before... This 2009, I think, was the first one. It was the first show. Yeah. show. And it's hard to imagine a time when nerddom hadn't populated... Hadn't sort of no, saturated it hadn't. Yeah, all exactly. Of it. So exactly. having a show where comedians could talk about things they were enthusiastic about rather than dickhead 20s to earn the money yeah, yeah, yeah. was like everyone was like I want to do that yeah. like, I want to talk about things I like talking about yeah, which yeah. was really unheard of at the time it was, it was crazy yeah so when was it 2009 2009 was my the first problem I've was got a DVD of the first of the first one. Oh yeah I was doing my Rambo and uh, I was doing my Rambo routine and the Bicky, <laughs> Ricky from Better Ricky stuff yeah. yeah I've got it and I was shouting at someone really important <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know anything and there was yeah. a guy in the audience and I was like laying into him calling him a cunt and everything and it was like oh you're head of a TV company yeah, of course because I did that as, you know, I used to film it as well just do like put yeah, the 10 yeah. minute bits of it yeah, online yeah I loved that I thought it was brilliant and uh, you're looking back now and there's like you can see like people who I'm now friends with I'm like oh that's the first time they turned up to the show and then oh, okay, the sort of show nice. was like, we'd all just hang out in the bar afterwards because it wasn't one of those like performers and audience well, excluded it was like you know. a die hard audience wasn't it yeah and oh yeah was, What's the name of the What's the name of the pub? It's next to Old Queen's Head. Was the Queen's the, Yeah, Queen's the Queen's Head of the Old Queen's Head to start with, wasn't it? The one yeah, just yeah. down sort of on Shaftesbury. Then it moved to Amazing Cider Bar. Yeah, the Green Man. The Green Man. That's right. Yeah. On, yeah. On riding I, I remember the Green Man was so good because uh, uh, what you'd uh, they'd, uh, do a uh, do a pint which was eight percent. It was yeah, it was oh, a special, yeah. Was it special special reserve. reserve. Special reserve. Special seller. <laughs> special seller. Special seller. It, looked, it looked like lime juice. It looked like someone had made a lime cordial. That's how sort of green and sort of see through it and was. And it tasted like. Uh, like like flat Lucas Aid yeah. and um, <laughs> and I remember that I could drink one pint of it and do my gig but if I drank <laughs> a pint and a half of it I was too drunk and, I, and, and I'd never be able to do it they were always worse but I used to do it uh, every gig, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. You were the, for two years. You were for two years. Were you were the regular uh, guest? I did, yeah, every <laughs> every single one of them. And I did a new material every week, and or every time we did it. But it gave me kind of the uh, confidence and uh, the ability to uh, write a lot of material about things that happened around me while I was doing it. So I'd sort of like, uh, you know, I'd make a list of stuff. Like I'd go see Terminator Salvation. I remember I did a thing about Terminator Salvation. And then I'd have like a routine about it. And you'd use it for, oh, when Leslie Nielsen died, I did sort of like a, tri- a tribute to Leslie Nielsen and stuff. And I just remember that that show sort of gave me the confidence to uh, generate and write material. So, I mean, thank you very much for doing that. It was My an amazing pleasure. show. 
thank you as well. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it so yeah, much. I'm a fan of Richard Hanley's Perfect Movie. Yeah. Oh, what I liked about it was that it was it was one of those things. Goes, oh, it's the kind of gig we can just come in and talk about films instead of what you normally talk about. And I go, that's what I do. Yeah, talk yeah. about in my stand up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it wrong. I think <laughs> that was one of the th- yeah because I remember <laughs> the advice I was given when I first started stand up was uh, like talk about what you know. And yeah. I sort of completely sort of misinterpreted that as like you know in the yeah. in the hundred percent embrace that as only talk about like videos yeah sure and like you know you can talk about other things no I only know about you know I sort of completely missed the like mis- misinterpreted the advice to <laughs> yeah but people thought that you used to actually run a VHS yeah. video show didn't they it was a sort of one of those like because it's when it didn't matter you know when it didn't have to matter if you weren't a hundred percent honest with your sort of stage persona because you just go well. I run a video shop. No yeah. one can check. No one can tell that's not true. And that was like the, the bit. But also because it was me, people didn't know if it was a character. You know, so it was. Yeah, it was really you build up sure. your own mythology, don't yeah. you? Sure, it? but people still lie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's not lying. It's an act. Yes, every, every even though yeah, even if you're like, Jimmy Carr doesn't talk in one-liners in real life. Yeah, if you're a straight I mean? stand-up, you're still it's still technically a character, even if you're not a character. It's always act. a character. Yeah. Whatever you see on stage is always. Uh, it could be. It can be very close to you. It can be. But mm. you're presenting everything in a certain. Well, when certain you get way. on stage, you are like you have a stage persona that you don't even know you have. Like when you start to do comedy yeah, yeah. because how you are on stage isn't how you want to be on stage necessarily no I think it just develops it. in this kind of weird like you can't I don't think you can predict what kind of comedian you will be when you start no I didn't think I was going to be a shouty cunt that went around sh- you know, swearing at people I didn't yeah. think I was going to be like that that developed yeah. really organically yeah, based on audience reactions well and also when we, we I suppose when we started we were uh, you know before the sort of massive like boom of it, where people yes. were doing it. Not cynically, that's the wrong word, but doing it with like half an eye on Career. the the, the Career, like yeah, yeah, yeah the ending. Whereas we sort of did it as like a hobby or just yeah. as a thing to like do an spare time, almost catharsis and yeah. therapy. <laughs> no, than that. Well, my but. my original goal was just to make travel back. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I could get to the gig and get travel and then go home again, I could do my office job every day. Yeah. I could do that, and I'd be ab- and, and I'd go. I can handle the office job because I know that every evening yeah, I've yeah. got twenty minutes to do, and I can make my travel. That's that's one of the reasons why whenever I start I used to put a shouty bit in my set just so that I'd have a reason to scream every day so that I sort of like the sort of primal scream <laughs> therapy so every time I do a set there's always a bit in my set where I shout or scream so I know, I like that, I know that like in. yeah I literally would put a bit in so every whatever my, whatever my set evolves there'll always be a bit where I scream just so that I can scream that I have a reason to scream without pest, without bothering anyone I used to uh, I used to do what was that I used to do like an admin job in Hatfield at the Hatfield Business Park and uh, in between when no one was looking I would write like a song or a musical or an Edinburgh show and I used to go oh this is not bad I'm getting paid to write yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sort of took a bit of the edge off how depressed I was yeah. but, um, you think oh I've just been like, am, I, am I temping or am I being paid <laughs> to write a screenplay I'm being paid I'm being paid to write a hit musical that was uh, 2008 I think, I think, there, was, think. there was something a bit different about like the open mic circuit then as well because there was lots of people who absolutely weren't trying to make a career of it and it was much more sort of oddballs and really interesting characters and things about I was a very lonely person and when I started doing stand-up I finally found uh, a group of people that I had a lot in common with yeah and it's funny isn't it and people from completely different backgrounds that you would never that if you probably met in an office job you'd probably be like I'm not going to get on with them because they're into different things and yet in, in stand-up I think everyone's got this something that's very similar. In that office job, they used to go on and on and on about comedy, but it would always be comedians that I didn't necessarily like. And you'd just, it would be the most popular comedians of the time. Mm-hmm. And they'd be talking about comedy, and you'd be there going, I could actually contribute to this conversation, but they've never shown any interest in me whatsoever. So I just always keep my head down and be really quiet. And then years later, I did uh, Russell Howard's uh, Good News or. Uh, I did something, maybe it was Uncle, and then one of them got in contact saying, we didn't know that you were doing that, and it's just like, well, nobody ever asked me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> in the evenings, it would be like you were, in a way, sort of like Batman. Yeah. In the evenings, you'd, <laughs> go off, you'd go off and do jokes in uh, Leicester Square, <laughs> and then uh, by day, you'd be a mild-mannered uh, admin operator. Yeah. <laughs> And Richard, you have gone from doing comedy about films to appearing in a film. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm now... Uh, yes. You've absolutely the, smashed that. Now. Thank you. See what happens when you're in the room <laughs> and you're enjoying <laughs> the moment. See? So Se- worrying segway, about your show, which is on in 40 Metcalf, minutes. they call it. Segway Metcalf. 
<laughs> Absolutely great stuff there, man. I'm like proud a, of you. It's like a portmanteau. Just <laughs> straight through to the next the next section. We've gone off topic now, haven't we? <laughs> we have. I mean, we're going uh, to need another segue to get back to that bloody segue. <laughs> oh, that's the problem with segues. Anyway, Richard, uh, what, tell us about night shooters. Wow. Um, I have, uh, I have, you know, uh, been fortunate enough to be in some films before. Oh, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is not my first film film but, but this, uh, is, been, this is a new one this right? is a new one that's coming out in sort of around September-ish time mm-hmm. and it's my first gangland boss character oh, yeah. I play it's my first geezer with a shooter Nice, full nineties Gary Oldman. Yeah, obviously not not qualitatively. Let's be. I'm not an arrogant man. Let's yeah. not say I'm not gonna say I'm, but I'm definitely as trying to be as loud as nineties Gary yeah, Oldman. Yeah, right, sure, sure. Oh, you know, nice. the proper send everyone, everyone. And that's you've got to keep the beard. I, well, I have to keep the beard all the time. So uh, why is this your bread and butter now? Well, yeah. Well, I, well, the thing is, I I trimmed the beard, and then after I did night shoots, I filmed a western. So oh, I had to film nice. the Western, which took place over sporadically, which I also wrote the Western and, uh, well, co-wrote. And then I'm doing another film uh, in September where I need to be big and hairy. Basically, everyone keeps going, oh, you need to be big and hairy, keep the, keep the beard. And then so you I, have to keep the I beard. I just forever have to keep the beard. So it's, it's like, great. You're very lucky that you've got two streaks of yeah, white. Bit of yeah. brock, bit of brock in and the middle. And also it adds, because you're, you're, you're a relatively young man. You're the same age as me, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I say relatively <laughs> young man. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I was thinking you're awfully young for a gang lad, boss. But actually, maybe we're. Yeah. You were at the uh, premiere of the original Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, me and Wilfred Brimley. Yeah. Oh God, that's come on, mate. <laughs> I, just, I, just I just had an existential crisis about my age. You mean they're thinking about you, Edinburgh show? <laughs> oh fucking hell, this oh, very... a meltdown. I, just, oh, yeah. I don't know what it's that's like. Club. Don't know what it's like for you, listeners, but uh, <laughs> but in here we're in a very dark pit of despair. Well, we're all in our late thirties, but could play younger. Yeah. Hey, hey now, keep it light. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I, 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 I didn't have any realisation. I can't believe I'm the beacon of fucking positivity today. <laughs> I realised the other day that I can't even afford to have a midlife crisis. <laughs> that's, that's something I realised. But, but it seems like that's quite overachieving, isn't it, to yeah. be a gangland boss, gangland in, boss in your late thirties? Yeah. Well, you know, when you, you, you've got it or you haven't. Yeah. You know, so uh, well, you can't just you can't just uh, turn up one day and become a gangland bo- boss, can you? No, no. no. I tell you so. what, I was thinking about this the other day. I was uh, I was on the South Bank and uh, they were doing a play about Moss Side, uh, and it was about like how terrible it was growing up in Moss Side. It sounded quite patronising because <laughs> it was basically a bunch of uh, uh, actors, you know, well-to-do actors that have done acting. I don't know. I'm making a lot of assumptions, but there was a, there was a thing about Moss Side, and I was just kind of like, all oh, right. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting? Because you know how many people really uh, hate what they've done with the Star Wars franchise. You just redo uh, Star Wars, but you set it in kind of like uh, the streets of Manchester. And you've got a guy uh, who lives in Moss Side. Moss Isley. And uh, <laughs> it doesn't have to be. There was an old joke on the circuit. Someone used to do that. But, but, I, but he was like, so the main character in this play was like going, oh, God, I know it's like I can't afford to get out of where I'm living and I don't want to live in the streets that I'm living in. All I want to do is get away from where I'm... And you just like go, that's Luke Skywalker, yeah, right? Yeah. And you go, well, It'd be what? like the RAF he wants to get into. What's getting the RAF? But... Uh, his, uh, but we're all being dictated to by evil uh, Donald Trump mm-hmm. or Theresa May, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and uh, he's sort of like, or the second in command. And basically, you just do it all. And there's a, like a local gangster, and you meet. A, do you know what I mean? You yeah, could yeah. redo it all. And yes. then, so you do Star Wars, then you do Empire Strikes Back, then you do Return of the Jedi, then you do a Force Awakens, right? Then you can <laughs> fix the Last Jedi on a budget. You just tell all, you just tell the exact same story yeah. with the uh, but but in in real world it's nice idea like an Alan Bleasdale's yeah. you do it Star like a kid. I think that it would be a good thing for us three to get together and write as a kitchen sink drama and take it up to Edinburgh mm-hmm. one year I'm, I'm, I'm so the, uh, you have older shot yes uh, yeah but the trick would be to sell it as an actual play as opposed to this is Star Wars yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so the trick would be that you'd go in and you'd, you'd, you'd trick a bunch of uh, theatre goers into thinking it's a gritty urban kind of kitchen sink drama uh, play and then at the end say oh we've got you it was just Star Wars no I don't think you even need to tell them I think it's a, I think it's a story that you could transpose and then eventually you'll be able to fix all the things you didn't like about the prequels and the sequels <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how you do the Ewoks, but 
It'd have, to, it'd have to be allegorical, wouldn't it? I think we have to. Yeah, fucking. Anyway, uh, so I like sorry. the idea. I'm just turning up, man. <laughs> yeah. This isn't what the show's normally about, is it? We, we should have asked you what you're into. But <laughs> come on, just, 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 just tell us what Night Shooters is about. So Night Shooters is a film about a bunch of filmmakers who are mm-hmm. making a low-budget movie who go into an abandoned like warehouse to film some stuff like on the sly to make a zombie movie and while they're there uh, they don't that's because I, I own that and I'm going to demolish that building in the morning I use that as a place to do some gangland executions and then we realise they've witnessed it and filmed it so we have to go and kill them because they're witnesses and get the cameras back late night urban adventure film yes it's, so it's a bit like Trespass it's Trespass, Trespass. it's like Judgment Night yeah, the Judgment Warriors night, Judgment Night means blow up Oh, I mean, which is what I say to you because you'll appreciate the more Goonies meets the Poseidon adventure. <laughs> I mean, we've done, the, we've done the spoiler button, but it should have been boner alert. Really, yeah. it sounds like an absolutely fantastic film. And it's, it was really Mark Price, the director, who did Colin the zombie yeah, film. Actually, right. he himself is someone who makes zombie yeah. films on yeah, the yeah. cheap. So it, it, he's really good at structure, and but so like when you watch it, it makes complete sense that a gang can't kill seven filmmakers. Do you know, like, it's not yeah, like, yeah. You, watch, you watch these movies, I watch, you watch films and you're like, there's three of you, why is it taking two hours for someone to not kill three people who yes, aren't yes. assassins? Like, but this actually makes, because it's going to be blown up the next day, you can't fire guns because you blow up the, the dynamite, you know, the, there's always lots of, lots of plot specific things which, which make complete sense. Yes. I'll certainly watch it, Richard, but I am anticipating plot holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> you get to see me scream a lot and punch someone, and you know. And your other character is called Tarka. Is Tarka. that because he's like Tarka the Otter? I don't know. I'd like to think so. I'd like right. to think that there's a sort of Ring of Bright Water. Yeah. So is Tarka the Otter and Ring of Bright Water two separate things? Uh, yes, I think. Does yes. Tarka the Otter get brutally murdered at the end, or is it I just... I think he does, I think he does get... No, sent. they can't do that in every Otter movie. <laughs> there's, a whole, there's a whole spate of late 70s, early 80s children's films yeah, about yeah. Otters getting brutally murdered. Do you murdered. have, like, a Guy Ritchie freeze frame where it's like, this is Tarka, because he's an Otter bastard. <laughs> or something. And he has Otter a freeze just... frame, and then the snow goes, and it's his donkey. Donkey! Um, smash and <laughs> I'll suggest it for the Blu-ray special features yeah, this is Bill we call him the full English it's because he, every time he kills a geezer he eats a full English this is, <laughs> his name this is Reggie Reggie the veggie <laughs> why that's because I once saw him eating an apple hips <laughs> <laughs> and all stick a carrot up his victim's ass. <laughs> um, Mugs Bunny, Mugs Bunny. Tell you what, I watched the other day. I watched uh, Sexy Beast. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my head, right, Sexy Beast um, was. Uh, it, so I saw Sexy Beast maybe 20 years ago with my mum. Be fair to her, she fucking loved it, right? Um, and I haven't seen it since, but I have seen. Uh, what's the other one? Come on. What, the film he made? No, the other one that's like Sexy Beast. Oh. Uh, Colin Farrell. Oh, um, In Bruges? In Bruges, right? So in my head, uh, Sexy Beast and In Bruges were almost the same film. Right. Right? Where you've got, like, Ben Kingsley turns up as a psychopath that swears a lot, and then you've got Ray Fiennes who turns mm-hmm. up, and they were both in Schindler's List, which I only worked out <laughs> recently. And then you've got, it's not like a British. Uh, I think In Bruges is a really underrated film. I love it so much. I don't think it is underrated, but I don't think enough people realise how good it is, right? Mm. Um, and uh, I think everyone that sees it realises it's good, is what I mean. It's like, not, it's, there's not a load of people that have seen it and don't think it's good. Mm-hmm. I think that everyone thinks it's good. And, and Sexy Beast is a very similar type thing, right? It's you think nothing it's like thing. it at all. Sexy Beast, <laughs> I watched, I rewatched it the other day, and it's absolutely nothing like in Bruges. It's kind of like the structurally, it's totally different. Uh, it's got, you could say that it shares a bit of the same DNA, but it's basically. Do you not like Sexy Beast? Um, I loved Sexy Beast uh, when I saw it and in my memory, but I don't think it's aged well. It feels like a, I think it's very theatrical. Yeah, it's quite sort of almost absurdist without being actually absurdist, yeah. it's, isn't it's, it? A lot like, of it's very stagey, like it could be yeah. uh, uh, in a theatre, you know, as in, you know, mm. the, the bit where it goes, I'm having the calamari, what are you having? I'm having mm-hmm. the chicken thing. Well, chicken thing? I didn't even see a chicken thing. No, I'm having the calamari. You know, it was all sort of like, it was almost mm. like um, yeah. a vaudeville. 
You know, the way well, I think what well, helps. I, like I think what helps yeah, yeah. Sexy Beast is that it's kind of like it is really well written. Like, but it's but very I, much British. You know, a, a Cool Britannia. Uh, British version of a Quentin Tarantino yeah. film, you know. But it is also uh, it is also uh, like having proper actors in it helps a lot, you know. Like, and I oh, consider yes, Ray yeah. Winston to be a proper actor. Yeah, having yeah. Ray Winston and Ben Kingsley sort of doing that, yeah, and having yeah, yeah. Ian McShane, and it helps make it seem less sort of geezery and stupid and flippant, yeah. you know. Oh, so, well, yeah, so I that mean, sort of that sort of cal- that calamari scene doesn't it, actually yeah, seem. It, it, it raises the bar, doesn't yeah. it? You know, you're watching a proper film rather than something. Well, yeah, but they've almost got Ray Winston to play against type. Yeah, because well, he was. So I think he was originally up for the Don part, and oh, I think really? he said like. Do oh. I, I don't do I always have to be like the psycho? Can I? Essentially, he said, "Can I be the romantic lead?" So I think he envisages yeah. Gary yeah, yeah. as a romantic. And so lead. they go right. Well, who can we get who can out uh, out geezer? Yeah. Well, <laughs> apparently, Gandhi. you know, the, yeah, <laughs> Gandhi, that, yeah. that was apparently his, uh, his, his 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 line was who's who's playing Don? We've got Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. I'm going to get slapped about by fucking Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> he asked for it though. Yeah. I liked it because he got nominated for an Oscar, didn't he, Ben Kingsley? Best supporting actor. For Sexy Beast. For Sexy Beast. And like it was one of those things where For Sexy Beast! And you should have watched the Oscar. For Sexy Beast! Can you do it higher? Yeah, it's amazing when you see the Oscars because I think there was like some really solid supporting actor yeah, yeah. bits that year, and you've got like Jim Broadbent. I think I think it might be for Iris or something. Okay. Just giving a proper like, oh, you know, Oscar, mm. and all because it's just so much bad language. All you do is you just cuts to Ben Kingsley going, "You will, you will, you will, you will, you will," and it's like, <laughs> is that what? Because like, they couldn't show any other clip. And he's like, nominate. They couldn't show any of his performance. Yeah, I think that was one of my post-university uh, films that I watched with my mum. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just always remember I uh, I never really used to swear before university, and, and um, <laughs> we were watching <laughs> Gordon's Kitchen Nightmares or something. We were all around the ta- around the TV as a family watching something fucking you know, and um, and and I was like, oh, he's such a cunt. That's what I said. And my, sis- <laughs> and my sister went. My sister went. Nicholas, don't say that. <laughs> and uh, my mum turned to, turned to me. And she goes, "He is a bit of a cunt, though, isn't he?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. It was really sweet. Oh. Uh, and then after that, we watched Sexy Beast together, and she lapped it up. She thought Ben Kingsley. <laughs> she thought Ben Kingsley's performance, if she, anything, she was holding it in. If anything, was uh, was uh, underplayed. That's nice. <laughs> it's like for years she was trying not to swear in front of you in case it corrupted you. Yeah. And then so as soon as she heard you break for a minute she's like I've been waiting all my life for this wait 20 years for this <laughs> it was a real tender mother son moment it's a beautiful story <laughs> and to be fair maybe that's where my stage persona got born that was the In moment when I just thought mum likes the word can't. <laughs> Maybe I'll make a career out of saying that. <laughs> uh, we've said it so many times in this episode, I'll stop saying it now. Uh, it does turn a lot of people off uh, when they're listening to it out loud in their offices. <laughs> <laughs> that's fan club. Uh, uh, that's fan club. So, um, <laughs> right, okay, uh, we've got to play a song now. Oh. Uh, so, oh. uh, what have you brought in with you? Well, uh, I've got a song called All We Ever Wanted Was Everything by Bauhaus. Okay, and uh, this goes to people in the studio and people at home. Uh, if you don't want to listen to the song, have a wee. Nick Helm and the Daniel <laughs> Metcalf Fan Club on Foo Bar Radio. <laughs> oh, I'm just having such a great day today. Um, uh, yeah, good. We're back in the studio live at five. Uh, it was mid noon. And um, yeah, we've got like 20 minutes until Nathaniel's show, so we're just basically killing time for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if anything, can I leave a bit early? So no, 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 okay. no. It's unprofessional. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to go right up to the wire today. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> so sexy Beast. Winstone showed the script to Gary Oldman in view of having him play Don, but he wasn't up for it. Mm. Which isn't very nice, considering he was in Neil by Mouth as well. You'd think he'd, he'd probably. He go. did him a solid. Did him a solid. As you'd say. Yeah. Probably got paid a monkey. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Which is uh, a, a billion pounds. <laughs> um, so, uh, how early do you have to get up when you're filming night shooters? 
Uh, well, it was a night shoot, so uh, it was uh, incredibly... Well, I, I like night shoots. I'd rather film all night than have to get up at five in the morning to go and film for a day. I so. absolutely agree with you. I'm, I'm all right when I get up. Yeah, I tweet in the morning and, uh, and, and people say, you're up early, you know, and it's just kind of like, <laughs> what do you think I do for a living? I'm getting up at fucking five o'clock every morning. I'm not going to fucking... The day doesn't start when you fucking join me, Doris. <laughs> um, fucking... Uh, but, yeah, uh. so... You're doing, so what would you do? What would be the day? You, you we, we filmed in Denham, which is sort of just past Watford. So I drive to this. It was actually filmed in an abandoned building. I filmed in Denham once. Uh, it was a, a jacket and a pair of jeans. Lovely <laughs> <Hey. laughs> stuff. It is good. I like. <laughs> I just, it's really, I've realised as well that's why it's probably called night shooters, yeah. right? It's a clever so thing. Well, they've got shooters. 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 I think and you're also doing a night show. I think this is the sort of film that really does reward repeated viewings. <laughs> it, it does. And uh, much like Trespass. 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 Uh, yeah. Judgment Night. Which is the what, Trespass is one of the few films starring Devero White, who is the chauffeur in Die Hard. Ah. I think he's, the, course, he's yeah. the junkie, isn't he? Oh, yeah, but it's also got the guy uh, from Die Hard 2. Yeah, the guy who's the... Yeah, the, 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 well, who's got the voice. The caretaker. Who, who, who's not a very good actor. <laughs> but, oh, he's in the Annex Tower. That's what he meant. Yeah. You know, from Die Hard 2. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's fan club. But uh, it, it's got it's got a guy from Die Hard One. It's got a guy from Die Hard Two. Both of the ices and both of the bills. It's an absolutely amazing it film. Is, it is. Uh, Walter Hill. Fireman decided to it go is, on a treasure those, hunt. It's one of those films that I used to watch on. Like, used to they used to often show it about midnight on a Friday or something. When the cool people would have been out, but I would have been, what's this? And I remember like seeing it, like, but this should be a film everyone knows about, right? It feels yeah. like a massive. It was film. my gateway to much better Walter Hill films, yes, like yeah. Bullets in the Head, uh, <laughs> Bullet to the Head, no. Bullet in the Head. That's a terrible film. But this one, those, you know, but that would have, we would would have been a contemporary film, wouldn't it? So have uh, you seen that fucking Escape Plan Two? Yeah. It's had a cinematic release. Yes, yes. starring Oscar-winning Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, one star in Empire. Is he got a Sylvester Stallone for, uh, It's eighty minutes long. Oh, yeah. And the first minute 20 is just the slogans of the co-producers. You know, like... Oh, wow. P- like pictures of the co-producer logo. It's just a minute 20 of I logos. I thought the first escape plan was bollocks. I mean, well, I couldn't... I enjoyed it, but in a way that you kind of go, I enjoyed it. But, Do you know, like, but Sylvester Sloan has made Lock Up and he's made Tango and Cash, which are both prison break movies, yeah, yeah. right? And uh, fucking... I mean, Escape Plan was kind of like, if they'd set it in a real prison... Escape bro- to Victory as well, you know. Like. Escape to Victory. <laughs> you know, like. But if they'd set it in a real prison, that's great. But they've got all of these guys wearing kind of theatre masks. Yeah. The, the, I just thought it was such bollocks. Uh, although, a career best... It's tragically, a career best performance from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. He was so good in it. It well, was he's, just such he's, a bollocks film. Don't make a sequel to that. He's really good, Schwarzenegger, now that he sort of... Not doesn't have to try, but actually, like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, I'm... 35 and I'm the hardest man in the world and he well, just he be like be. You know, so he's acting but he's, now he's realised that he's just going mm. I'm going to sort of Clint Eastwood it a bit he and just kind of be all moody and but he can't compete he can't compete with uh, the Fast and the Furious movies no. and yeah. so you just like go, well what's he do he's got a fucking act now yeah. and you go fucking hell he's in trouble but and he's great he's like yeah. uh, JCVD I think it's yeah. a shame that he didn't get I, I wanted him to have that kind of post political career when there was all rumours of him like oh they're going to do King Conan I was always like oh yeah that'd be great yeah. when you get to have have like films that are like built on to have like an older Arnie in them. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. think that'd be a really I nice mean, career. I, I would see the last stand at uh, Leicester Square Odeon, oh, yeah. which is now closed because it was on in the corner, uh, on a Friday night to see the last stand. Uh, me and Stuart Laws. And it was opening night, right? It was the opening night, and uh, there was me and Stuart Laws. Uh, we took a photo in the cinema. Me and Stuart Laws and uh, three other people. In a, in a maybe a seven hundred seater, thousand seater, it was huge, huge cinema. There was five <laughs> people in there on a Friday night, yeah. and I was absolutely gutted because I was so excited about. Um, and I actually thought it was a good film. Well, I think the last for me, like talking about the Conan <coughs> King, I think yeah. I liked it, but I almost wish it had been slightly more realistic. Do you know that like the Last Stand was actually more like I'm just a small town sheriff. You know, like it wasn't. Yeah. But you know, if you could have had the same sort of story, but it's more like a sort of. Uh, it was an ensemble. Almost piece like a sort well. of Rocky Balboa vibe to it, rather sure. than a, just because I would like to see Stallone, a Schwarzenegger do more like 
sure. low-key carnage. Mm. But I don't think uh, the uh, film with Johnny Knoxville playing a guy with special needs that owns a load of guns is the film to do it. It's 5-2. It's 5-2. What time, what, when you're filming Night Shooters, uh, what time do you get up in the evening? I, ha- I would get up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, then uh, you go to set. Yep. Uh, then what happens? We would film in a room which had no plumbing or electricity and run everything off a generator. Yeah. And have to wear thermals because it was cold. Winter or summer? Winter or summer? Winter. Winter. So yeah. it was cold yeah, in there. Yeah, it was cold and the nights went on. It was dark when you get up and dark when you get home. Yeah. And? And then we would film, we'd go outside, we'd scream at each other, we'd shoot blanks and have kung fu fights and... And then what time would you And then we'd finish rap? at six in the morning. Six in the morning and then you'd go to what bed? I'd go home to Essex to my own bed. Yeah, and then you'd sleep until four. Sleep until four. Very much like a vampire. <laughs> or a vampire. Is that what I was building up to? Uh, no, it's just, uh, I was just wanted to, uh, just wanted to know. I guess. Trespass was written years earlier by a pre-Back to the Future of Robert Zemeckis, which makes sense because uh, uh, he went on to do Demon Knight and uh, Robert. Oh, yes. He produced the Bordello of Blood, which were the Tales from the Crypt Keeper movies. They were movies. also Walter Hill. They were also Walter Hill and starring uh, Bill uh, Paxton, or Bill Pullman was in one of them. Um, right, we've got to play the game okay. now. Uh, and we're just going to find the button okay. and go. So this is better or worse, where you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before it, Richard. Okay, uh, yes. starting with Dean Martin. Is Sammy Davis Jr. better or worse than oh, Dean Martin? Oh, worse. He's better. No, <laughs> he's not. He's, he's not. He's not, you he's better. can't. He's fucking He's better Dean than anyone Martin except Dean Martin. Is Frank Sinatra better or worse than Sammy Davis Jr.? Worse. He's, he's worse. He's worse. Yeah. He, used to, he used to eat he's steaks. Drew. He used to eat steaks with steak knives he's off of strippers' stomachs. He was an absolute <laughs> monster. Is Drew Barrymore better or worse than Frank Sinatra? Better. Everyone is better than Frank Sinatra. (laughs) Is Daniel Day Lewis better or worse than Drew Barrymore? Worse. Daniel Day Lewis is better. Great. They both really encapsulate their roles. Jeremy Irons. Is Jeremy Irons better or worse than Daniel Day Lewis? Worse. Worse because he had some questionable things about immigration. Is Alan Rickman better or worse than Jeremy Irons? Better. 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 Much better. Better. It's on film for everyone to see. (laughs) Is Michael Keaton better or worse than Alan Rickman? Oh, worse, but it's it's, it's not much in it. No, there's a lot in it, but um, we still like Michael Keaton. But Alan Rickman is too good. Correct. He is... Uh, uh, worse than Alan Rickman. Is Burt Reynolds better or worse than Michael Keaton? Oh, worse. Yeah, what's worse? He is worse. <laughs> is Bob Dylan better or worse than Burt Reynolds? Better. Better. He is. Okay. I don't know. Well, controversial. <laughs> better or worse? I wasn't sure there. what the parameters was, were. It's all so based was, on my own opinion. Yeah, that was really a <laughs> fucked up episode of. And you of scored worse. six. I'm so angry about that. I'm fucking furious about that, Nathaniel. <laughs> you know There's some real odd choices in that, and I'm not going to let it lie. <laughs> six. You got six, six, which is a good score, I think. It's, it's a good. Well, it's half, isn't it? It's, it's, you're just over halfway. Just over halfway, yeah. But you <laughs> we were, were beaten, expecting you to get the full you've ten. Beaten Jack Barry, Yasmin Akram, Sam Ashurst, and you were even Stevens with Colin Holt. You beat Sam well. Ashurst by quite a legendary mile, though, haven't you? He you've doubled. Three. You've doubled his. Three. Yeah, yeah. He calls himself an expert. <laughs> so uh, we've, had, we've had a lot of fun today. Uh, and I think uh, it just leaves me to wrap it all up with one of my words. <laughs> I'm uh, off to Edinburgh. Uh, yeah, you better get a leg on. Uh, I think that's the phrase. Um, <laughs> Thank you for coming in, Richard. It's my Thank pleasure. you very much. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll have you back again one day. <laughs> I played the wrong fucking thing. How'd you get out of this? Oh, no, we're playing Chim Chim Cheroo. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes.